everyone and welcome to The Psalm Seed. This is a branch of the Women's Fellowship in Manchester called The Seed. We aim to uproot lies and plant the truth through conversation. We have a sister fellowship in London. You can find out more information about this on www.lovelimitless.com. But you don't give them the, the room to do that, right? Some There's... of you love problems and you don't like peace. 100%. That's a, that's... Say that again. Some of no, let's all pause and sit in it because I can't lie. When there's peace, peace might seem boring. And a- Hello, hey, why so downcast? What's in your mind, sister? You tired? Why? Tell us. But also just emotionally mentally you know work has been long mm-hmm. and I'm thinking through life changes I'm, I'm mm-hmm. thinking do I buy a house then the bank of bank of England are like we're increasing interest rates mm-hmm. mortgage broker and he's like interest rates are looking like two a 5.2 something percent and I'm just like who's paying over a thousand pounds for a mortgage because I'm an individual I'm a one person. <laughs> There's nobody else. It's just me. It's just me that I'm thinking. I can't do it. I've got nothing left. It's just me. I'm thinking, okay, like when will I marry? You know? Mm. Will my husband carry this burden? Carry it alone. Then you try and date. And then you learn that all the things that you've been learning are meaningless when you're actually, you know, it's like, Theory and practical. So I've been doing a lot of theory my 28 years of life. And I feel like I'm entering the practical aspects of dating and marriage and all that. And I thought I knew what I was doing. But I really don't. You know what I find so interesting? Um, I think when I was at uni, there was this kind of like false narrative that just by the virtue of being a Christian, like everything would just, just be so easy. Yeah. It would just be so easy. Like your life is planned, you know, you buy that house, you get married, you work, you have grandkids and then you die. Like it's got, it's just, things are so easy. They slot into place. That's not the reality. We might complain a lot today, guys, but bear with us. Um, is it complaining or is it just airing out the truth, you know? Airing out the truth because I've made peace with it, but I just need people to know mm-hmm. that not easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy. Okay, let's get more specific. What's been happening with you in the scene? What have you learned about the scene? What have I learned about the scene? The 10 things that faith has learned or 10 things faith in a remedy has learned. I think number one thing, you know when people say you'll never really be ready? That's, that's true. Like, when you're faced with certain decisions, whether it's buying a house, whether it's, oh, do I want to be with this person? There's never right time. There's never right like, yes, I know 100%. There's there's no 100% certainty in any, mm-hmm. right? 
And I guess I was trying to make decisions and that's why I was so tired. So I'm trying to make decisions because I'm, I'm trying to get 100% certainty before I make decisions. That would never work. It would never work. And I was talking to a friend and she was like, these decisions are not for you to make on your own. Like God is with you while you're making these decisions, right? And you actually have to recognize that when you make a decision, you're trusting God. Like you're not, you're not making it because you know what's right. You're not making it because you have all the answers. You're making it because you've you've seen enough. You've, you know, you've applied wisdom, you've prayed and all of this stuff. But there's also still gonna be an element of trust because you're never gonna know. I could buy a house tomorrow. Uh, on a fixed rate and then in two years when my fixed term is over they're telling me interest rates are 10 percent sorry and at that point i can't lie oh you know what like they used to in biblical times where they would tear their clothes and like beat their thigh <laughs> i put dust on them <laughs> bruh grief yeah that would you know be- what when you were saying that i think what came to mind was like sometimes logic will fail you because I think so many times we're so used to making decisions based on logic and what seems right that we don't depend on the spirit of God to like learn how he speaks to us he speaks to us learn and understand you know how to actually make decisions because oftentimes we run it through our internal engine if we sign it off with more about, it's more like just mention it to God. You know, it's like if you're in your parents' house and you're yelling to your parents that you're leaving right as you're stepping out the front door, you've already made your decision. You just notifying God, like, by the way, this is what I'm going to do as you're doing it. Um, but I think there'll be times when logic will fail you. As in logic, there won't be like a right or wrong answer um and another thing as well is there's always going to be a reason not to do something 100%. there's always going to be a reason like like I said there's never a right time to do something there's never a right time to buy a house there might not always be a right time to move jobs especially in the crisis that this entire country is in there might not always be a right time to do something but the right time sometimes is just now um but obviously being guided by god um so for example um next month i'll be moving job jobs um i've got this i secured this role like you didn't tell me this oh my gosh oh we should have started with that before i definitely thought i but you know what this is why i didn't say it there was a reason why i didn't share with people why didn't i didn't share with you explicitly but there there was a reason why i didn't share with people um and i really had to go to god and ask for forgiveness because i definitely spoiled my testimony like i just applied for a job um no there was a job that i saw on the internal site um and I was super excited for it. And I was like, I'm going to apply for this job. I'm going to apply for this job. Told my manager, we scheduled a meeting for it. Went to apply for the job. The job was gone. I cried. I cried. I called Shelly and I cried. I said, God, why me? Why art thou forsaken me? I know what? That evening, I went back onto the job site and they had uploaded it again. And I thought, did my eyes fail me? But then I saw the date and I said, no, they literally uploaded it again. Without even thinking about it, I applied. And guess what? The next day, the job was taken down again. I said, God, I got through the first stage interview, can't. Got the second stage interview, can't. 
And then at the same time, they release a new vacancy within my team. I've been saying forever, I want to move out of student recruitment. I want to try something different. I've been doing this for years. I just want something different. And then I found out that um, the pay for my new job wasn't what I thought it was. And then the fact that I had prayed for this, the fact that I had cried over almost losing this job vacancy, the fact that I and then I was offered the job, I wasn't even happy. Mm. I wasn't even happy. All I could think of was the money, the money, the money. And I was like, but Aramida, you prayed for this. Aramida, you cried over this. And it's in front of you. And you almost need convincing. Even when I accepted the job, my heart was downcast. Even when I mentioned it to my friends, I managed to somehow spoil the testimony because I was like, it's what I want, but it's not quite what I want. And I was like, and then I was thinking, oh, God, is this the right time to move? Is this the right time to change? I could have just stuck in my job for da-da-da-da-da. I could have... And I remembered, like, I just felt like I was making all the wrong decisions because it's like, I want a career change. And this job is going to offer me a first step in a slightly different direction. But at the same time, I was like, but the pay isn't what I thought. But then it's like, but it's not as if you're losing money. Like, you could stay here and then be in this place and then two years time then be like oh god what if but it felt like I didn't know exactly which direction to go to and there's never been and I think that was a point where logic failed me and I really had to trust god and I really had to even when then I would tell my friends I had to like almost take myself back and be like around you don't add oh but it's not this but it's not that but and almost like spoil it I even told my brother I was like oh I got a new role and he was like oh my gosh congratulations I was like yeah and I was like, but this is an answered prayer. And I and I think God really used that to show me that number one, logic is gonna fail you. Trusting God doesn't always mean like I trust God and I'm at peace. Sometimes mm. you're trusting God through the anxiety. Bruh. Sometimes you're not even sure of whether or not you've made the right decision or not. Sometimes you're not gonna know until you look back and you're like, God, I can now see what you've done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, even when it feels like I've made the wrong decision, God can still use it and turn it around. And I actually remember it was something that you encouraged me about. I don't think I'd explained it properly at the time, but you gave me a piece of advice in terms of like, it's not you that keeps you, it's God that keeps you. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, eternity is to know God and also to allow yourself to be kept by him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, even though, like, I'm still not parading that I've got this new role, partly because I'm so busy and I've got a three-month notice period. Uh, so it doesn't feel like it's coming around anytime soon. But anytime that, I'm going to call it a spirit of discontentment, a spirit of rebellion um, comes up. I have to tell myself that it's God that's keeping me. And if I believe that God is good enough to open this door and let me enter it, then he's good enough to sustain me through it and even if I've made a wrong decision he yeah. wants to work everything out so yeah it might not always feel like the, the right decision whatever you're thinking about it might not always feel like it's clear cut this road is straight um, but there's something beautiful about trusting God through the storm Obviously, I should say jobs is different from marriage because you can leave a job. Marriage, <laughs> you can't leave. That's the yeah inside. Oh my gosh! I sorry. I saw this tweet and it was blown up online um, on Twitter. 
where this woman was saying that um i should say i didn't catch her name so i can't even be like there's a grander context so please understand that i'm just taking the short clip that i saw and she was saying that when she got married she's basically a divorcee I, i believe and she said that when she got married she was like a different person like she was just her but in the years when she was married she grew so much as an individual that she just she said that she couldn't relate to her husband anymore. Like she was a completely different person. She'd graduated, she had her own business and she had these and these things. And it was like, I'm different. And there's this mentality that's going around. Like if you're not growing with me, then we we can't stay together. And if we stop growing together, that means that we've come to the end of our journey together. And so let me just make it clear. Trusting God about a job is one thing because you know that you can change you can grow you can try new different things in marriage you can do all of those things except you're staying in it yeah whilst you're growing whilst you're changing whilst you're developing yep. but go ahead you have to be very clear about why you are choosing that person right but like yeah what what you were saying about um your logic will fail you and even how something that you've prayed for something that you've cried for happened and then we're still not satisfied. I think that's something that I've experienced where I'm like, oh, but this is, this looks like what I want, right? This looks like what I want, but I'm still like <gasps> anxious and scared. Like, I like, God, are you sure this is this is it? Are you sure this is right? And I must exercise all my logical powers to ensure that this is the right decision and ensure that, you know, this is where God wants me to be. Um, but when God, sometimes when God gives you what you've prayed for, just accept that he has given you what you've prayed for, you know? Why do we keep doubting? Why do we keep asking ourselves, oh, but God, are you sure? Or like, but what if there's something hiding? We behind- don't know what Gideon did, except like, we're not even trying to like, find out whether God is true, whether God is good and know more about him. We just want to be like, what are you giving me? Is it good? Like not even looking at the person, but we're just trying to confirm the gift rather than know more about the giver. Um, 100%. 100%. And I think that often comes from a place of not being in the presence of God and not spending time with God, right? I find that I oftentimes doubt things more when I'm not spending time with him as much or when my focus, when I'm being distracted by the things that I want and by the things that he is giving me. That's when I actually start to doubt whether or not it's good, whether or not this is from him because I'm not actually spending time with him to to have that reassurance or to have that peace that, okay, you know what? No matter how this ends up, God is with me. God is going to keep me. God is going to protect me. And even like with marriage, like I do not desire for my marriage to end in divorce. But even if it did, God is still with me, right? It doesn't doesn't take away from the fact that he's walking with me, right? And there's nothing that I can, like in my own strength, my own power, physically do to prevent divorce. Because it takes two people to tangle. Yes, two have become. But if one person says he wants to go, if he says he wants to go, what am I going to do? You're going to pray a fast, but ultimately you can't tie someone down. I can't tie someone down. I can't, right? So what's to say that I, I have the best way and the best formula to make a decision about whom I'm going to marry? I don't. It's God that keeps us. And I've been reading a book um, by, by Timothy Keller, The Meaning of Marriage. And he spoke about what what you said, that woman about, oh, I've changed, become a whole different person in marriage. Yeah, 100%. That's going to happen for everybody. 
mm-hmm. right? Like, just because you become a different person doesn't mean that you leave. The same way you become a different person is the same way he becomes a different person. And another thing I've learned is I was so fixated on finding the best person for me so that when you do change, I can handle that. I can deal that with that. But I don't know what I'm going to be like when I'm married. I don't know what I'm going to be like once I've had two kids. I don't know what I'm going to be like when we're having financial struggles. Like, I don't know that because I've not experienced. I know I don't want to have financial struggles. Literally, when you said financial, I said financial troubles. No, but you- no it's, it's the truth. You can't predict the future. I was thinking today, yes, your salary is nice right now. What 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 if you lose your job? What you if, know what's so funny? Can you sustain a whole family and like you said, two kids without that salary? And and, and you're fine. And and you're well and you're not stressed. Like there's so many things that we can't predict. Um but I just want to quickly interrupt because I think there was a scripture that came to mind when you were talking about like in terms of like if you pray for something and God gives it to you. Because I think sometimes the enemy will cause us to distrust what God has given to us if it doesn't look like what we want, if that makes sense. Because God can give you things, but it might not look the exact way that you want it to look or be the way that you want it to be. Or you want the prayer answered in a very particular way. Yeah, I remember if a, a Bible study, she was mentioning something about like, there was a time when she was praying, when she wanted to leave her job, but God said, you know, stay, stay in this job. And she stayed and she didn't, and she was, I guess she, she, you know, she did obey, but she was still kind of questioning, but God, why, God, why? But I think she then talked about how like the tax refund that she got really helped. It, it solved the financial need that she had. And if she hadn't, if she'd left the job at the time she did, she wouldn't have gotten that refund that would have helped her. And it reminded me of Matthew um 7 verse 9. And it says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, you'll give him a stone? Well, if he asks for a fish, you'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your true children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And I think it's really important that even for anything that we want, we can go boldly to God. And if he has given it to us, we know that it is good. We are not the author of good. We cannot keep ourselves. In fact, we fail ourselves constantly. And yet we have the nerve to think, but but, but will God fail me? But you've been failing yourself. You've been making the wrong decisions. You've been making promises and breaking them. You've been saying you'll do something and then you don't do it. You've been falling short of your own expectations. In fact, your standards are in the gutter. And the thing is like, but God is like, but God is so great. He will never fail us. He is a promise keeper. His standards will never fall. And the thing is, he upholds his standards. Like he actually sticks to them. But in our own, like, fickle mind, we're like, oh, but God doesn't get me. God doesn't know what I want. Like, da-da-da-da-da. Like, God, and it's like, do you see yourself? Do you, like, you fail yourselves always. But God has a proven track record of never failing you. So why do you trust yourself more than God? Yeah, 100%. But please, let's get back to the topic of marriage, because I'm interested. Topic of marriage? What was I saying? that you're talking about um i remember you mentioned something about like if there might be financial troubles and oh yeah in terms of like is it making mistakes yeah like in terms or of growing as a person and then like you, you're not being able to predict the future because that can change so much and you might obviously like think about can you handle this person in the season and what they might bring to you but you might have changed as a person um and they will also have changed and evolved as their own individual as well 
that's that's the thing right i think people view and i was saying this to you earlier people that get married are very brave because you are not as a single person i am my own like in terms of like yes i'm god's but i make decisions right like i can go out and travel i can sleep and wake up i can eat indomie for a week if i wanted to like i can decisions even though it's not it's not healthy it's not good and i should live a life that's healthy and glorifies god right but as a single person you can have a a life in christ and do all of these other things as a married person i consult my husband on right so people that get married are very brave because you're Mm -hmm. giving up in my mind your freedom you're both giving up your freedom for each other you have to you have to surrender to each other both of you right mm-hmm. so when we're picking when we're picking our partners with the idea that if i change i can leave it doesn't make sense because everybody's going to change mm-hmm. you you have to understand that you are even through your change even through i've developed and become a different person i've started a business you haven't started anything we have started a business because you're married it is you and your husband or you and your wife right and and Tim, I I learned that I was trying to because I I understand these things. So because of that, I was trying to find a man that I was so compatible with yeah. that if he does change or you know he grows or doesn't grow, like we were still compatible because I understand you as a person. Like there's still a, a kind of fit. There's still a kind of match, right? Yeah. But I was reminded that that doesn't exist because mental health is real. Yeah. Financial Troubles are real. Children are, are expensive and they they are hard to deal with, right? So in my own strength, I can never know a person enough to be sure that this is the person that I want to marry. You can just I can't I can't know that that every being. In the book, Timothy Keller says that his wife has been married to f- five different men in the whole time of them they've been married, and each man has been him. Because he has been a different person in each situation. So when we marry, it's not a mat- it's not just a matter of compatibility, but it's also a matter of commitment. Mm-hmm. Like when you, I'm choosing you and that's it. Like I'm actually saying, I if you turn around tomorrow and say you never want to work again, I've chosen you. That's who you are. I know it sounds, but that's who that's who you are, right? And I in my mind for the longest time, I was like, okay, yeah. A man can change. A man can choose to not do the things that I want him to do. So I'm going to find the perfect man. I'm going to find the best man that fits my needs. But that man doesn't exist. And also, even that idea of marriage is like that particular structure where we're solely looking for who works for us. It's that concept in itself is self-seeking. Because we're not thinking about how we can... And I'm not just saying this from a woman's perspective, but I think men should also be thinking like this. How can I serve the other person? Um, One thing, another thing I learned from Ifan that has really stuck um, through conversations that's really stuck to me is love and marriage is being other person-centered. You're thinking about how you can serve the other person and they're thinking about how they can serve you. 
and you're thinking about you know what plans do I have for them for them to whether it's for praying for them to grow in their confidence to grow closer to God so especially if you're praying let's say for your husband to grow into his capacity and ability to lead since discipleship amongst men is something that I think they sometimes we I've seen that they it's harder to come by for them let's put it that way and so to learn how and to know how to be able to do these things but oftentimes society tells us that just find the person that can serve you just find the person that can work for you just find the person that makes you laugh makes you and these aren't bad things themselves but there's another person in, in the mix with you the marriage isn't solo yeah and that's the thing right the minute they stop serving you you leave exactly and it's like if you're not serving me if you're not working for me if you're not doing this for me then I'm I'm gonna pack my bags and leave oh. and you know what um another thing that we sometimes don't consider is um and I'm gonna take this quote exactly from Kelly Kapoor from the office I am hard to manage Present. Um, to, to give context there was an episode where Kelly um applied for a job and they were like do you have management experience she was like yeah and they were like but it's just you that works in your department she was like but I'm hard to manage we're hard to manage and I know sometimes especially as Christian women you know we are at the center of our own universe and everything is happening to us rather than we're doing things to people and so all my enemies are after me my friends are trying to leave me I'm being the good Christian I'm being the good friend I'm trying to disciple them I'm trying to spread the gospel and all the attacks is coming towards me um and you can do no wrong, um, especially in the concept of relationships. Oh, this guy did this. Oh, da da da. Men are rubbish. Men don't make sense. Yeah. And what did you do? Nothing. And um, I think. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, and and that hap- I think that happens so often. And I, I I praise God when I am able to encounter a man that shows me my down my like down I don't like it. No, I'm sorry. It's that someone has sprayed me with water and flogged me in the streets because it is so unnatural to the human self for someone to hold a mirror in front of them and say, do you see yourself? Why do you act like that? You see why nobody likes you? You see why nobody likes you? Why you're still single? Why you ain't got no man? Why you ain't got no land? Why you ain't got no J-O-B? <laughs> Why you ain't got no friends? What's that happening? I was just like, like, and not not, not that he, like a man has to say anything to you, but you go away and you reflect on your behavior and you think, Why am I acting like an animal? Yeah, that's self righteous. This man has done nothing wrong to you. You're just self righteous. Mm-hmm. That was your pride. Mm-hmm. He he has done nothing nothing to deserve this behavior hmm. you know you, and you have to sit down and you pause have to reflect and pause because like what you were saying like then they're, they're not always wrong sometimes they have great intentions and sometimes all they want to do is love you and as they and, and love christ but you don't give them the the room to do that right some There's, of you love problems and you don't like peace 100 percent. that's a that's say that again some of no let's all pause and sit in it because i can't lie when there's peace peace might seem boring and obviously we're not telling we're not this is not propaganda for you to be dating men you don't like or talking to men you don't like that ain't what we do over here 
but it's the idea that oftentimes we can sometimes especially when it comes to the topic of marriage and the feeling of marriage we there's another point I also want to make we overestimate our capacity right so when you hear of people and their marriage failing especially as christians and I'm, I'm talking here from a christian perspective sometimes and i've had situations in my in my mind where i've thought nah i, I would never initiate divorce yeah 100% because i i'm i'm so, i feel so strong and so convinced in my own capacity to persevere and to stay Mm. and sometimes we look at people and we say it's because you couldn't withstand it yeah or you were not you were not willing to you're not willing to work it out you were not willing to turn the other cheek you were not willing to to just go through it and just keep on going through it you know and 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 I think but sometimes I have to ask myself and I said but some of these people they they knew more about Jesus than I did. They mm. were more convinced about th- this person being there forever than mm. I'm convinced about many other things. They've seen dreams, you know. They they've seen war- letters written on the wall. They've had birds come and tell them that this person will be their forever person uh, whilst they're on earth, and it still didn't work out. And I think sometimes the self righteous aspect of ourselves doesn't actually it doesn't cause us to recognize our weakness, which will then lead us into dependence in Christ. It actually just keeps us in a state of self righteousness where we overestimate our capacity to endure. Hundred percent, all the time. And and when you do that, you will inevitably fail. I I I do not have the capacity to enjoy anything. It's the spirit in me. That's why in my in my own thinking, I can't make any decision. Mm-hmm. I have to be led by the spirit in those decision makings and I have to trust that the spirit will be with me as I walk in the decision that I have made. If I've yeah. choose this man it is the spirit in me that's going to make this marriage work it's the spirit in him that's going to make this marriage work because me in my own flesh in my own ability i have the capacity for nothing i can't do it can't i that's why i said married people are brave because to make that decision to commit yourself to another person you're brave because bro that's your life that's your and somebody will not come and say to me that I should do the same. But I'm scared. Like in my when I think about it alone, just naturally, that's scary. If I don't, if I don't think about the fact that okay, God is with me, I don't think I could do it. But to know that God is with me, to know that mm-hmm. God is with him, to trust that he loves God, to trust that I love God, to trust that God will help us make this work is the only way I can make it through. And that's why I am vehemently against the almost casual attitude that we have towards marriage. Because oftentimes our parents will say, oh, just find anyone, you know, he's a Christian, you go to church, uh, or if you're Muslim, uh, you go to mosque, like you, you're, you're religious, you know, just make it work. You know, you just, and it's like, no, no. If you have a vision where you are, if you, unless you want to be the long suffering wife, just go and have a casual marriage, but that's a, a casual attitude to marriage. But to, it's really important to think, to actually, but to understand your weakness and to then acknowledge your dependency. 
that's a good place to start from you're gonna say something i was gonna say but that's the thing right like you can trust god and you can get married all these things and still be the long-suffering wife sorry but i i i'm not i'm not saying that out loud because um no Mm -mm. i I, would know we'll we'll both long suffer like i'm sorry (laughs) no that is not that is not written in my life no but let's be honest right like it doesn't stop us from being the long-suffering wife i I think i think there will be a season where you might be and there might be a season but it's the identity that i'm against okay but there might be a season where you have that right and you have to help your husband through whatever it is that he's going through and vice versa he might have to help us yeah 100% like and we have to be ready for that like we can't enter because I I guess growing up you see people get married and you see it's all like oh you see wedding you see weddings it's not even marriage that you see it's weddings that you see and it's glitz and glammy like oh I want this but when you start to dig deep into what it actually means to be married to a person, what it actually means to have committed your life to them, it's hard work. It's hard work. It takes consistency. It takes showing up. It takes committing. And it takes the power of the spirit in us to actually help us make it work. And one more thing, it takes community. 100%. I remember someone talking about, you know, all the people that come to your wedding that eat your food, that drink your juice, when you're going through it and you need support from your community, how many of them will you reach out to? How many of them after the honeymoon will say, hey, how are you in this new season of your life? How are you? Very, very few. And another thing I wanted to say as well is um, it's this pervasive culture. And I don't know if it's crept into the church, but I think we do need to be aware of it because our environment, we inevitably start to shape how we view certain things. And it's the idea that marriage will only go as long as you both want it to. In terms of like, it's not forever. It's okay for it to be temporary. It's okay for, you know, for for you guys to get married, enjoy maybe the first five years together. Then once the reality of it sinks in and it's not as thrilling, as exciting, and it's not as emotion-led as it was in the beginning, that's when you pack your bag and go. And more and more, obviously I know that in, especially there are some communities where they especially some like quite conservative and I'm using the word conservative in a very specific manner here in terms of black Christian communities where they encourage you to get married really, really young. And that way, for example, you would never fall into sexual sin. And it's like, you can't use marriage as a substitution for sexual sin. Um, I'm sorry. It's not the, it's not the cap stopper in, in the world of sexual sin, you know, get married, build your life together. And then you often hear stories, especially of these people coming back saying, I didn't even know what I was getting myself into. I didn't know, we didn't know anything wait we're children so obviously i'm not saying that here i'm not i'm not advocating for that but is this idea that marriage isn't like it's not given the seriousness that it is divorce isn't given the seriousness that it is and it's just the idea that you know what if it doesn't work we'll get a divorce you meet someone else you start again yeah and I, i have this theory right when it comes to things like that because there's this 
I guess, statistics that if marriages that, that last longer than five years will most likely make it. And I have this thing about the five-year mark. I feel like before five years, it's hard. It's tr- it's like testing, but not just... Especially as Christians, you know, unless you guys are the kind of Christians where you be living together and be doing stuff. Well, that pauses for you to reconsider. Um, because when you... then I'm sorry, but... God forbid, God forbid, this would not happen to us. But how do you know he's not mad? Because when you're living together, it's not only do you have the transition of like, okay, we're doing life together every day. It's now like, oh, another change, right? Which is why you have lots of people in the world who might have kids before they even get married, right? Might buy houses together before they even get married because, you know, that apparently those are bigger commitments. I need to come first. You know, marriage is more of an add-on. Really? Um people who live together and cohabit for years before they get married um and they need to know that we there's absolutely no doubt we've already done 12 10 12 years together you know marriage is just it's just you know the cherry on top but that's the thing that people don't realize if a person is not willing to marry you they're not willing to commit to you what they say i can buy a house with you because that's assets right that's easy we'll just split it right i can go on holiday with you i can pay rent with you but to commit my whole life, the rest of my life to you, to say I do, like, I don't want to do that for you. And some people will be like, oh, our marriage is so great, though. Like, I mean, our, our relationship is so great, though. We don't need to get married. When a person, If a person ever says that to you, just run. Because they're, what they're telling you is, I do not want to commit to you. I want the options to be able to leave you when it no longer pleases me. They are an armed robber and you should pack your bags and go. Run. Because for me is marriage changes things. And yeah. I've heard stories of people that have been together for many, many years. And the moment they get married, two years later, they're not together anymore. Yeah. There is that level of commitment and it means something. It is a public declaration in front of god if you're a christian if you're not a christian i don't know in front of god and in front of man and in front of your community and in front of your partner that you do this together for better or for worse for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health and in all of these things it means something and that's why i don't like don't let anyone bamboozle you yeah, that's why I don't want people to do those those you know those vows where they go like oh for better and for better for um help. richer for richer. I'm just like, what you're telling me is when I lose my money and I'm no longer making the the bank, you leave me. That's what you're saying, saying right? Your vows are supposed to represent how you're committing yourself to this person. You're saying that you're gonna be with them through sickness and in health. So when you're sick, I'm there. When you're poor, I'm there. When you're not good, I'm there. But people that like to do this new vow thing of, oh, ha, 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 for richer and for richer. No. Because what message are you sending your spouse? It's a mockery. It's an absolute mockery. You know what? I was, I like watching social commentary stuff. Well, not just UK stuff, because that's all about the shade baron. I don't have time. Um, but I like watching social commentary stuff. And I saw this clip of a couple that were getting married and the husband would reason reading out the vows. And it was extremely explicit. 
as in not just by this as in there were, if there are just many videos of people just kind of just breaking down the commentary of exactly what's going on here and it was so explicit it was so disgusting in front of their family and friends and it was just so classless and crass and i just thought on your wedding day these are the vows that you're making to one another do you respect your partner even if you don't respect God, do you respect the commitments that you're making? I I, I think I I also think and for example um obviously there's been like not reports but there have been reports and research into you know why women are delaying marriage and why men are also delaying marriage as well. But even looking into the Christian community, if you think about maybe our parent age time many of them were probably married for example i'm 20 i'm going to 27 in like august i'm excited but i was thinking for example my mom had my brother when she was like what 24 25 like she and my dad have already been together and it's like so why are christians that we know anyway that i know i can't speak for everyone's communities are getting married later and later and it's like i think it's not just the quote-unquote shortage of like suitable partners from both sides because they all everyone will say different things but it's also people are really taking their time to actually think about what they want and actually understand what marriage is because oftentimes they the, the consensus is you find out about marriage in marriage and that's true there's only so much you can learn in theory but i think more people are taking their time to decide but i i also the element of information overload i think there's this <sighs> every as soon as people get married, that's it. Married, marriage YouTube channel giving you advice. There's just What's this YouTube channel. Go, it's the YouTube channels. They'll be giving you advice about the sponsored posts, what to look out, the sponsored posts, what to look out for in your spouse, and and I think when when that happens, oftentimes we experience what's is it called information paralysis, where you've got so much information that you're trying to do all of it but then you get to a point where you can't even do any of it because it's just overwhelming it's just so and I've experienced it because I'm like trying to look at the signs I'm trying to ask the right questions I'm trying to you know see how he acts and what does he care about does he serve in his church and all of this stuff but you you almost miss the person because you're just so focused on what they do what they say, then you don't even stop long enough to actually be like, who are they? Who are they? He might have made this mistake today, but who is he? What does this mistake say about him? Does that completely write him off? Does that, you know, like all of these things that because there's so much information, there's so much things, advice on how to date and how to do it right and what you should look out for, that we almost become paralyzed trying to make the perfect decision. And then we realize that we can't. But then now I'm too scared to get married because I've not been able to tick off all my boxes. I've not been able to like, oh yeah, find this and find that and find, is he willing to do this? Is he willing to do that? I I can't tick all, every single box. But that's what I've been told that I must know. Because you see all these perfect couples online and you're like, oh, but they they have it great. And because it's because they followed this blueprint. Okay, so I must follow the blueprint. The blueprint does not apply to you because it it didn't even apply to them. Because it's now that they're finding out the truth. Let's be honest. Like what you said, you're never going to be fully ready for marriage. 
All you can know is, am I ready to commit to this person no matter what? That's all you can know. Another thing is some of the information out there is so abstract. And so bad as well. Poor. Terrible. You can't apply it. It's like they, they, they wake up and it's oh, sorry, I find, I would say they sometimes I feel like it's married people that are giving you the most abstract piece of information that they didn't they didn't even take to account every day. Uh, are, are we kingdom partners? Did we have the same dream about this? We're walking in the same direction, but what does it mean? And it some of it it's so ambiguous. What is, um, what is this vision for your family? Babes, do you know your vision? Do you know what you're trying to achieve? Because does he even know what he wants? I don't know. I, I know what's so funny with all of these, like yours, you can be so thick. Imagine we're still on number one. You can be so fixated on like what you said, where you end up paralyzed that you're even making decisions and you're not even looking at the person in front of you. Do you like this brother? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you actually like each other? Yeah. That's and, quite, can you hang out? Can you talk? Can you yeah. banter? Does he have Riz? Do you enjoy his company? And I'm using Riz because that's what the youths are doing. Do you enjoy his company? Does he enjoy your company? Can you actually do things together? Or do you need a chaperone there to, you know, formulate the conversations? Do you leave their presence exhausted? Mm. Are you more excited to hang out with your friends than you are to even see this individual? Mm. When they message you, do you just move your mouth and you're like, this person has come again? Mm. Are your responses three to five working days because, bruh, that's we getting your friends to respond. Oh, okay. I was about to say something, but I would definitely expose myself. So let me just sit down. Let me sit down. No, but no, I can't. I can't do it. Um, <laughs> stay tuned for part two. Um, but reality is, I genuinely think. Yes, you can t- take advice. And obviously, it's important that, obviously, experience isn't always the best teacher. Like, genuinely, you don't need to fall in, into a ditch before before you know that you shouldn't go, go into a ditch. But I think we also have to exercise our brain, number one. And also, if you believe that this person giving you advice is coming from a spiritual place, you also have the spirit of God in you. And you have access to that same spirit. You can tap into that same spirit someone might have seen a vision about their wife or their husband and you're now dying on the line because you've not seen a a vision because you're only having nightmares i'm sorry tap into that spirit and 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 beloved please don't don't be dating people that you don't like just because they love jesus yeah no please have some easy respect respect yourself and some remorse on the person that you're doing it to but there's another thing I wanted to say. Advice is good. Seek wise counsel, right? Allow people to, to um, walk through dating with you. Never date in secret. That's why I always tell my friends. But you also need to be aware of shared trauma because shared trauma causes us to respond to things in the same way. That, doesn't, that doesn't mean that your response is correct. Just because your friend agreed with you doesn't mean that you and your friend are right. So let's talk about that, right? Be aware of your shared trauma. Is this because we both share trauma and, and fear regarding the same thing? Is that why we're both responding to this in the same way? 
or is it because this person has actually understood the situation and is coming from a place of wisdom and not from a place of their own personal fear? Because that's another thing that people like to do. They like to um, put the fear of being left uh, and abandoned onto people. Oh, he he didn't reply to your text in a day. Oh, he's going to abandon you. He's going to leave you forever. Run, pack your bags. No, like, sis, like, maybe he was busy, you know? Maybe he was doing things. Like, don't run. Don't allow people to allow you to jump to conclusions, you know, and recognize your own trauma as well. Like, that's one thing I've been learning. Like, okay, these are my fears. And communicate it with that, whoever you're dating. Like, these are my fears, right? This is how I view things. And I understand that it's wrong. And I understand that when you do this, it doesn't mean that you're going to be like this, right? But that's just what I've grown up experiencing. And because of that, I've always tried to do what's in my power to avoid that happening to me. Yeah. And then ensure that you communicate that with the person, ensure that you're aware of what your friends might advise you as well based on their own trauma and based on their own experiences. If they're your friends, you guys share things, right? So sometimes they'll advise you, not because it's the wise thing to say, but because they're scared for you. And they're like, oh, I've experienced this. So and it looks familiar to what she just shared. So it must be the same thing. Sometimes it's not the same thing. Sometimes it's actually, you know, innocent or sometimes you know you assume the worst thing in the situation when you actually speak about it that's not what the person intended so that's another thing is very very important to be aware of your shared traumas with people that you're seeking advice from go on and even just past your friendship group with shared trauma be mindful of the content you're consuming Mm. there has been i can only call it an evil where someone will go on the internet, let's say the person lives in Stoke-on-Trent, and they've seen that someone in Toronto had tweeted about their experience with someone in their neighbourhood that they were dating. They will see that tweet or the video, and they will collect it and apply it to their own circumstance. I don't want to go there, but I will. Oh, go there. You're going to be rounding up soon. Mm-hmm. When people are shouting men are trash, and you're shouting men are trash, but you've never talked to a man, oh. a man has never talked to you, oh. you're, you're up in arms. You are up in arms. Because someone cheated on someone in Brazil. Now you're, you now live you, here in Sunderland. Well, now your boyfriend's not allowed to visit Brazil. Bruh. And now you're not scared that every man that you meet is going to cheat. And when you see men, you all automatically think, oh, men are trash, they'll cheat. And it might seem comical, but I genuinely think because we don't mind our business, because the internet has made it okay for people to expose their lives, right? Not This isn't accountability. This is just exposure, exposing their lives for free on Beyonce's internet um, or whichever other people's internet that 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 all of the stuff exists on. We then take that stuff and we carry it into our own lives and we're wondering why we're stressed. And we're wondering why we're so distrusting of others. And we're trusting why we have little hope 
or for our future prospects when it comes to our spouses. Not because anyone has hurt you or the people in your community are not sound, but you have taken someone else's circumstances that does not apply to you and you've carried it into your own house and now you're wondering why it's sitting on your chest. Because I was even speaking to... um. I think one of my friends recently and it was mentioned that oh you can't trust these da, da, da. and i said but these people do they ex- exist in your life what no do the women that you interact with behave in this manner well no so why are you up in arms why you're stressed why are you extrapolating something that does literally the parameters don't make sense but yeah so be be mindful obviously please listen to biblical advice Hundred percent, always. Yeah, because you can't say, "Oh, oh, now my friend say I shouldn't date this person because it's an armed robber." But you know, everyone's gonna make money, and the government's still from us anyway. So and it's okay, please. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the best you want to do is the armed robber. That armed robber is not shared trauma. That's just wise advice. He's telling you, Ron, <laughs> you're gonna be an accessory. You will steal from you. That was it. You will have to. You might go to jail. <laughs> You have to sit in a witness stand and say, yes, I was collecting the, the crocs. I was collecting the the, well, the the saddle bag. I was collecting the Chloe. I was collecting the Prada earrings. I, I was I was collecting. When they hit you with that Rico, they'll collect you and your bag. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope I hope this has been interesting to listen to from our perspective. I think it's been good. I think because bruh. I don't think in my whole 28 years of life of listening to advice about relationships, I don't think people talk about this enough. No. The whole uncertainty. Like when I, I grew up thinking, like what you started with, that this would be easy. Like you just meet someone, you guys click, you haha kiki, you get in relationship, you do dinner, you do road trip, and you get married. You have it's, kids. That's not the and reality. There's no financial trouble. And both of you are growing in your career equally. Equally. Ah, yeah, if you had time, we'll talk about it because it's a lie. But God is good. That maternity leave, it's going to slap you. Well, it will slap you because maternity is nothing. It's nothing. You don't come back. You don't know how to work Excel. How do you even open Word? I don't remember your password. Oh. But as, even that, even before marriage as well, like, you you both are not always going to be on the same path, right? You, the one is going to be making more money than the other. If you're, if you're blessed, maybe you're both growing together and that's all great and stuff. But again, that's not everybody's reality. But I, I really do hope this has blessed people in a way. It may have been a bit here and there, but it was supposed to be a relaxed chit-chat type of podcast, more sharing what we've learned over the maybe even this year alone six months but um god has been good that we're we're learning we're growing we're developing so men please take it easy on us because we're only baby girls you know we want to be better for the kingdom but we are just baby girls we are still learning you know we're still new to the game but we you know, God's and in God. Jesus' name, we will not be in this particular game for too long. Amen. Because I'm tired. <laughs> Faith is adaptive. You still need to have a proper episode about what's happened. <laughs> there was so much zeal, so much excitement. 
it's finished. Snatched. Oh. But you have a nice evening, nice morning, nice afternoon, depending on what time you listen to this. And yeah, thank you for tuning in. So this has been The Sound Seed. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to keep pursuing truth through conversation and community. See you on the next episode.